Check one. Check two. Hello and welcome to a slightly impromptu podcast or two from me, Vinny. Live from Margate. Margate is... Um, well, we'll get into that in a minute. But first of all, what are you going to be listening to? So for the next couple of uh, podcasts, you'll be listening to me wandering around in a beach town with the uh, occasional background noise of me walking on seaweed, seagulls and happy families all chipping about doing their thing here in Kent in England. But why? Why? Why are you listening to this? Well, because you have fantastically good taste, of course, and you pick the best damn podcast there is. Really, because I just wanted to catch up and let you know what's been going on uh, in the midst of lockdown. In many ways, I do these things so... They're an audio diary because I'm not a big fan of pen and paper or, and I spend enough time looking at, at screens. So I thought I'd give you a little verbal chin wag uh, with all things updating on what's been going on. We're going to cover uh, an attempted, keyword there, attempted motorbike trip across Canada, which happened in late summer. And now here we are in fall or autumn, depending on your poison, and uh, we are in Margate, wandering around. And uh, why am I here and what's going to happen next? Did, by the way, if you're in England, get £20 out of your wallet, if you're lucky enough to have that during uh, a crisis of Brexit and Covid, and have a look at the hologram. And the hologram is a sort of lighthouse with a building in the background. That is a picture of where I'm standing right now actually I'm just walking up to that lighthouse and the building in the background is the Turner Centre so named after Turner the artist uh, also where the Turner Prize comes from so that is where I am I'm next to the Turner Gallery slash Centre next to a lighthouse in Margate in the east of England giving you a little podcast update on life universe and everything in this episode I'm going to tell you about what happened this summer and it was a motorbike journey across Canada. Um, that was the mission. It was quite a chewy challenge, but I thought I'll give it a go. Plenty of time and uh, not much to do. So I've got uh, a business in Canada and I'm also Canadian, so I can get back there whenever I want to be repatriated with my land. Um, so I was one of the rare and lucky people that get got to fly from the UK to Canada um, this summer normal uk citizens can't go because canada understands what covid is and is making restrictions unlike its neighbor to the south um, and by the time this comes out we won't be far away from the election results so uh whew, let's park that because that is more than one podcast in itself and frankly what do you think my view is i mean come on it doesn't take a genius to work out that i am a redneck bud swilling Alabama-loving, hard Republican, as are all Brits. Actually, there are a few, which always freaks me out. Okay, what happened? I decided it would be fun, being that I didn't have a lot of work on, and COVID was pretty, pretty annoying to try and get away. Now, what can you do in the height of a lockdown? Not much. Where can you go? Well, one thing you can do, and one thing you can do quite easily is be on your own and if you're going to be on your own you might as well be on your own on a motorbike because it's a bit more rock and roll and it's easy to get around 
and it's got lots of advantages like it's not that boring um, and not boring it was but that doesn't mean to say it went that well I started in Toronto and I'm being a little bit hyperbolic by saying that I wanted to get right across Canada because if you start in Toronto and go to Vancouver not only have you not even mentioned the entire Maritimes and the east of Canada um, but also Vancouver really isn't the end of Canada either but come on it's a big place I think Toronto to Vancouver will do so that was the mission so I bought myself a motorbike and uh, first of all I had to do some work for my company when I arrived um, and I suppose I should probably mention what that is. Do you need a photo on canvas? Then why not use MrPhotoCanvas.com? Yes, Mr. Photo Canvas puts your photographs on canvas and you can pick them up. Then from downtown Toronto, by gibbery, doodah, doodah day, put a fork in my bum and turn me over, then call me Susan. It's good value. That's our new tagline. Needs a bit of work. Um, so yeah, well that's, that's something that's been dripping tiny tiny amounts of money in obviously had a terrible financial year because so did everyone apart from the occasional pharmaceutical so i uh, have been in a bit of a pickle financially but i thought never let that get in the way of spending seven grand on a bmw mm. so i bought myself um with a credit card a, B- <laughs> a bmw motorbike and uh you could ask straight away, why, Vinny, were you planning on crossing Canada on a BMW when surely most people ride big, fat Harleys? My answer to that is, I am European, and I couldn't bring myself to ride an American motorbike. Now, was that a good idea? The answer, of course, is absolutely not. It was a terrible idea, because it turns out that about 80% of all the bikes that you see on the road in Canada are, in fact... When I say on the road, I mean on the highway, you know, outside cities, are um, Harleys. And uh, so that means that there's loads of Harleys, not many idiots like me on a BMW. And one could argue the reason for that really is because uh, history, I suppose, uh, geographical location, pretty relevant. What is so interesting about this is that um, it does mean that it's quite difficult to get parts. Now... Why would you need parts, you may ask? Well, let's get down to business. I started in Toronto, and the plan was to get all the way to Vancouver in about a month. And so off I set with very, very, very packed bags and panniers on my BMW with a very stubby and pathetically small windshield, which was, and I'm just looking at my fingers, yeah, I'd say it's probably probably about eight inches high. So... As I read on many reviews afterwards, the windshield is just big enough to keep insects off your clocks and to make sure the entire power of all the wind is thrust directly into your head. Now, this is not very beneficial when trying to cross the second largest largest country in the world and also has the knock-on effect, um, slightly more for me than most, of giving you a lot of drag, yeah? A lot of drag in the in the head. And the reason for that is, I have a head that weighs, roughly speaking, mass or menos, or I would say around the weight of two large planets. My head is so stupidly big that previous to now, I have ridden a horse, and when in the farmyard of the horse riding station, on a date, may I add, 
the woman had to go in to the farmyard because they didn't have any helmets big enough and came out with the only one that was an XXL, which hadn't been worn since the 1970s, to which my date laughed hysterically. We didn't make it, but it wasn't a result of my head. The head probably didn't help. I've got a big Swede, right? Big bonce, big noggin, a whole lot of heed. So I decided it would be a good idea to get myself a big fat helmet, get on that bike, and it was only after a couple of miles I thought, bloody hell, this is really hurting my neck. I didn't realise this would be quite such a difficult scenario. So I thought, well, I could just pick up a proper big windshield later, couldn't I? Big windscreen later on the trip once it gets agonisingly annoying and I can't move my head because all I've done is push it back against the wind that was thrust to my head for thousands upon thousands of kilometres. How hard can it be? I mean, after all, there are people on YouTube that have ridden a fucking moped across Canada. So, like, why can't I do it on a big, souped-up, sexy BMW 800cc Mother Hubbard? Well, I can, and I will, and my head will not get in the way. God damn it, this Swede was made for travelling. And after all, it was this Swede that gave me the idea of doing this trip in the first place, so it can bloody well pay for it and keep itself upright. Um, so anyway, long story short, started off and thought I'd get a windscreen. I'm going to cut out a little bit here and just let you know that I didn't get a windscreen because you can't get a fucking windscreen for a BMW on the road, in the middle of nowhere, on the way to bastard Winnipeg. Because why would anyone want that? Most people actually attach their windscreen before they leave their city. Or they have some form of organisation where they book it all in advance. So yeah, I cocked that one up and I never got a windscreen. And that was one of the reasons the trip was cut short. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So the first stop was uh, Tobermory, north of Toronto. And I camped for the night. And uh, I found out it's quite expensive to camp. Well, not... Like, I think it's quite a lot. $50. And you can get a motel room for 80 So I couldn't help thinking this whole tent scenario might have been a pain in the balls. I think it's because if you are like a normal person and um, in your 40s have children uh, and or, you know, a wife, you end up saving money because you pay for the tent. But if you're on your own, it's not that cheap. And I could get other travellers to jump in with me, but frankly... That's a bit weird and also not very COVID friendly. So I decided that it would be a good idea to stay on my own and um, pitch a tent. Got the ferry the next day to the largest freshwater island in the world. Fact. I know, it's a good one, isn't it? And that is Manitoulin Island. Manitoulin Island was wicked because I stayed with a fella who I met years ago who lives on a reserve. Um, uh, as an Indian fella as he calls himself or First Nations if you prefer uh, I'm not sure what the flavour is this week but regardless he described himself as an Indian it is of course absolutely absurd that we call any Native American Indian being that rumour has it and I've, I really think this is true from every bit of research I've done is that the first settlers thought they'd hit India so they just called them Indians I mean, that, it, how has that stuck? How have we not corrected that? So anyway, I stayed on a reserve with a Native American man or a Native Canadian man or a First Nations man or an Indian and his family. And uh, it was brilliant. Years ago, I taught him um, some software and he said, Hey, Vinny, if ever you come up to Manitoulin Island, 
look me up. Now, obviously, he didn't mean that, because that's what everyone says. But I have this annoying habit of remembering things like that, and then popping up about four and a half to five years later. And then, really, guilt plays the rest of the role. So I managed to stay. I was going to just camp in his garden, but he said, don't be an idiot. Come in and take my child's bed, to which he kicked his child out and put him in, put him in uh, his bed. It was very nice of him. So I stayed in the, in the kiddies' bunk bed. Um, there was a powwow around the fire, and it's the first time I've ever slept on a reserve, and it was quite an eye-opener, really, because I, I probably had these very, very incorrect misconceptions about what a reserve was. And I now know that they were very, very incorrect, or at least they were to this particular reserve. Um, I, I mean, you do hear things um, about how uh, they're quite impoverished and unlooked after and there's lots of drug and alcohol use. And some of that stuff's true, obviously. It's absolutely, definitely not untrue. But I think it's worth mentioning that this particular reserve, I don't know if I got lucky or what, was uh, very well-to-do and uh, has all the lovely amenities of any other town, really. In fact, you wouldn't really necessarily know you were on a reserve um, apart from the fact that you um, were surrounded by Native Americans and there was a slightly different vibe in a way like it was definitely slightly more anarchic not to say it was anarchic it was just a bit more yeah kind of cool how things perhaps should be um, and uh, oh, that's my brief rundown of one reserve I'm sure they're all extremely different but it was uh, it was a really beautiful experience actually uh, I spent the day by the freshwater lake and then uh, did a bit of swimming. I was basically living feral by this point because I uh, had a bar of soap and a motorbike and I was just uh, washing myself and occasionally sleeping in a tent and doing all that kind of stuff. So it's quite nice to be at his house and uh, have a nice bed for the evening and look after myself. So that was, that was wicked. It was a beautiful experience and we sat around the fire till the late, late, well, I was going to say late night, actually, that's not true. Early morning. One thing I learned very quickly on a motorbike, and I've learned this before, is you can't really get on a motorbike with a hangover. I mean, you can, but it is the most unenjoyable thing ever. And uh, the whole thing's just far, far too much like hard work. So um, I didn't really make an effort uh, to get too drunk. I was quite pleased with myself uh, by going to bed at a fairly respectable 1am. I think they went to bed at 5am. Let's not forget this is the height of summer and it was pretty damn beautiful. It was like 35 degrees during the day and uh, probably about 20, eh, 24, 25 at night. It was really, really beautiful. Big big up to my friend that put me up because it was really kind of him to introduce me uh, to the family and generally have a fantastic uh, and uh, quite educational time as well. Who knew? There's a lot about Canada I didn't and don't know. This might sound a little bit different because I've just uh, disappeared into a new area. Okay, let's keep going. So from Manitoulin Island, I got on my trusty steed. In the words of Bon Jovi, on a steel horse I ride. God, I always hated that, Larry. But not quite as much as I will lay you down in a bed of roses. That's just uncomfortable. Who wants that? I will lay you down in a bed of trimmed roses, or ideally rose petals, or let's just get down to it dirty <laughs> and ignore all the flora and fauna. Okay, I digress. Let's move on. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I was in Manitoulin Island, world's biggest freshwater island. So, it's surrounded, of course, by the Great Lakes. And from Manitoulin Island, I got back on my bike 
and road. I can't remember exactly where, but ended up driving up the side of Lake Superior, which was really beautiful. Oh, I remember where. Wawa. Yes, there's a place called Wawa, and I stopped just because you had to. Now, I have to point out that it's not entirely fair, because I'm about to criticise Wawa, and if you're in Wawa, statistical chance is pretty fucking low, but just to cover my bases, um, if you are in Wawa, then you uh, may be a little bit upset about what I'm about to say. Um, your town sucks. My God, it was boring. Absolutely terrible. But I will give you a bit of a get-out-of-jail-free card because it was in the height of a COVID pandemic and there were no restaurants open. But that leads me to my next observation about Wawa and indeed most of rural Ontario. Um, so I went to Wawa and I went to various other towns and there's one thing they've all got in common and that is really really desperately worryingly unhealthy food i know that we're all really worried about covid at the moment and that's understandable and i'm not about to say it's all a conspiracy theory and it's being spread by 5g networks because i'm not a complete twat but i will say this i think it is a little bit unfair that we've taken our eye off the ball on obesity Wawa had a chip stand. It was the only available restaurant that was open. I stopped and had a poutine. Hey, I like a poutine like the next man. It's bloody lovely. But it's not very good for you. And there were no healthy options on that menu. And there were no healthy options in other towns I stayed in. Towns such as Longlack. Yep, I'd never heard of that either. Towns such as Marathon. Yeah, other weird named towns. All rural Ontario. As my mate, who's a pilot, who's, who's worked all over Ontario, quite often reminds me, um, you don't really need anything more than one menu. And you can just take that with you everywhere, because everywhere sells the same thing. If it's not the poutine, it's the burger, and if it's not the burger, it's the chicken fingers. And if it's not the chicken fingers, it's some other flatty, gobulized, fairly rancid heap of badness on a plate. Now, all of this stuff's really nice, of course, don't get me wrong. But unfortunately, it's not very good for you. So, uh, and by not very good for you, I think that while we've got one epidemic going on, we might as well have a look at the other one. Obesity is an epidemic. Right, there's a reason I'm a middle-aged man out walking right now. I need to. You can't eat this shit and get away with it. You certainly can't drive everywhere and eat loads of shit and expect to get away with that. So that was one of my observations of rural Ontario. I have to say I was a little bit culture shocked really because i've lived in ontario for many years but only ever ottawa and toronto so it was a bit of a mind blower to look at the size of the people sweet baby lord it looks like they've eaten a house and after a few days on the road bearing in mind that i had to uh, eat in these establishments because i didn't have sometimes i was camping i probably could have picked up some vegetables and made a stew but you know to be honest with you after a hard day's bike riding, the last thing you want to do is get down and dirty and chop vegetables. So I did eat out in a lot of these places, and I did eat a lot of this stuff. Um, but after a few days, I started to feel not only a little bit fat and gross, but also psychologically just a little bit damaged. Maybe it was the loneliness of being on a motorbike all day. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was that food. I think, well... I don't think, I know, that body and mind are connected a little bit more than us in the West give them credit for. So I think it's fair to say that the reason I felt like a big sack of potatoes on a motorbike was because I'd eaten the equivalent. So, yeah, 
big observation about Wawa, about Long Lack, about Marathon, and about all these little towns dotted around rural Ontario, Sudbury, Timmins, you name it. Uh, it is hard to find a salad. And this, let's not forget, it was summer. Wawa, from Wawa, Wawa's chip stand, I got back on my BMW, got bashed around by the wind quite a lot, and ended up uh, camping along the side of um, Lake Superior. Now, if you're ever in the area, I really recommend this. Lake Superior is an absolute belter, and it's got some really, really, really stunning views, lookout points along the way, and you can um, camp for free, legally, um, on Crown Land, that is uh, the Lake Superior National Park. And I just made it in time to the camping store to pick up some candles and a few things to keep me uh, keep me transfixed as the evening rolled by. I camped in the woods on my own, and uh, I probably should have done a podcast recording then, really. But it might have been a bit dark in places, because although I was enjoying it, I was probably suffering a little bit from loneliness at the time. So, uh, But I camped in the woods and uh, felt very butch and manly as I parked my bike and... Uh, pulled out my trusty knife to uh, chop up a few things and uh, ended up I did actually cook that night I think I cooked over a candle which uh, I don't know if you knew this but uh, it's going to shock you this one takes a bloody long time who knew um, so that was uh, that was a really interesting evening and uh, really peaceful got camping under stars was good woke up in the morning and two ramblers came rambling past my tent and uh, seemed very surprised to see a motorbike and a tent and a peculiar man sticking his head out in the middle of the woods, in the middle of nowhere. Didn't hear any bears, didn't see any bears, but I was careful not to have any food near my tent. So instead I, um, I put all the food uh, in and around my motorbike. And I didn't wake up with a bear on the motorbike, so I assume I got away with it for the evening. Would have enjoyed a bear on a motorbike a lot thing that used to happen in the circus before we reformed our ways but uh, it would have been golden i was hanging for that so all's going well but is it and that's what i wanted to tell you about next so during this trip quite often and by quite often i mean all the pissing time i had to stop my motorbike on the side of the road and adjust my ear defenders the, the ear plugs that are inside my ear canal now i know this is a weird rant and I appreciate I sound like an absolute raving pansy. But it really, really drove me nuts. Because I've got these tiny little ear canals. I've since had my ears looked at. And I actually know from the ear, nose and throat specialist that for some reason I have, and I quote, the ear canals of a child. <laughs> which, which is weird. I'm sure she said ear canals, by the way. I am sure. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I was uh, quite surprised to hear that but I was sort of relieved because during the whole motorbike trip I had a nightmare an absolute nightmare keeping those bloody things in my head they would pop out all the time and when they pop out in your helmet you have to stop and then you have to take your helmet off and chuck it back in and probably at my lowest point I was extremely hot it was 35 degrees I was wearing a black jacket for protection I stopped I was sweating bullets and I had to adjust my ear um defender whatever you call it earplug for the 900th time and as i did it 
the other one popped out my ear. So I had to take the helmet off again, pop that one back in, at which point the other one popped out my ear. And you really can't ride without these things. It's deafening. It's deafening anyway, even with them in, because I haven't got a particularly good helmet, it turns out. But And I didn't have a windscreen. So, yeah, I was being battered to um, buggery, wherever that is. And, uh, yeah, that's basically what happened until I moved about two feet and it popped out again. At which point... I pulled my helmet off, forgetting the fact that I'd also got headphones that I tried to stuff into my ears at this point. Should have mentioned that. Yeah, I stuffed headphones in my ears. So when I took my helmet off, obviously it pulled the cable. The cable was attached to my phone. My phone was on the dashboard of a motorbike in a little holder thing. And uh, it was at that point that my phone then fell off and smashed on the ground. So now I'm hot, I'm stressed, I've got unbelievable tinnitus. Uh, like really 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 ringing like you've just been to watch acdc and you stood next to a speaker that's how i'm hearing everything so i've got a constant in my ear from all the wind these plugs aren't fitting i smashed my phone and i'll be honest with you i had a full-on absolute breakdown at the side of the road not mechanically emotionally it was an absolute shizzle show because I was so upset. So that didn't help. And it was a little bit later that day, I met a bloke and he stopped his motorbike. He drove past me on the Trans Canada Highway and he stopped his motorbike and said, uh, Are you alright, mate? And I went, Do you know what? No, I'm not really. I, I, can you explain to me how you put these bloody ear things in? And he goes, Oh, yeah, mine pop out all the time. You just wedge them in as far as you can. So I wedged them in, in front of him, and they popped out. And he goes, wow, you've got weird ears. And I went, I have got weird ears. And I now know, having got my ears looked at by a professional, I have got weird ears. Vinny White, weird ears. Um, So yeah, that was a bit of a weird one. Now that guy was really nice, and I'll never forget him because he had Nunavut plates. And Nunavut is a territory in Canada which is not connected by road to any other territory. So I'm like, how the fuck did this guy manage to get to where I was at the time on my way to sort of Thunder Bay? And what on earth is going on here? Turns out, just a little fact, I I love this fact, it's very bizarre. Because none of it only has a few roads and very, very few motorbikes, do you know that the bike insurance in none of it, because he lives in none of it, is 10 times cheaper than the bike insurance in Ontario even though I was riding in Ontario, and so was he. And that would be exactly the same even if we were both riding in Manitoba or Alberta or anywhere else. So because he lives there most of the time, and that's his address, he gets plates that are none of it plates. And because he's got none of it plates and a none of it bike, <laughs> there's none of it and there's the rest of it. Sorry, I can help it. Um, yeah, because of that, he has got bloody... 10 times cheaper insurance than me. I think he paid, um, what did he pay, 150, 140 bucks, I think it was, for a year. What? Anyway, got a chance to that bloke, sidebar there, but let's move back to it. He said, you've got weird ears, Vinny. Um, good luck to you, all the best. Or I may be paraphrasing, but it was something like that. Off he, off he fucked, and um, I carried on with my life. The next day I saw him again at a gas station. I said, hey dude, do you want to go for breakfast? And uh, I think that night I'd stayed in the motel and he had camped so he was like yeah man I could eat anything let's go for that so I ended up uh, going to this kind of um, diner 
which was full of the largest people you've ever seen. Sorry, I know it sounds fattest. I'm just being honest. And I, by the way, I'm not saying this with a ripped washboard stomach. I know I'm not Mr. Gorgeous. I'm just saying you can't get away with eating that crap all the time. Uh, so, yeah, we went for a breakfast, had a nice little chat. And he said, uh, you know, you really, really need to have either less weird ears or ultimately... I think you and I both know that you need a windscreen, a windshield, right? So I'm like, yeah, I know that, mate. I've been battered around like some rag doll, and um, it's driving me nuts. So he said, well, why don't you um, get a windshield in Winnipeg? Um, because, you know, the alliteration works. And I said, I could do, or I could get a thermometer in Thunder Bay. Sorry, I don't know. I really don't know where I'm going with that. I just thought I'd chuck it in. Um, but no, I said, let's get a windscreen in Winnipeg. That sounds good. I said, well, maybe I can get one in Thunder Bay. That's the next town. And he said, let's camp tonight and we'll have a nice chat and we'll have a couple of beers around a fire. And I said, I think I love you. So we'd had that and we had a nice little time. Everything was cool. And uh, we put some cool tunes on my speakers and we parked our bikes next to each other and they looked like the bikes were having some weird romantic affair because they were leaning into each other his big fat harley and my bmw and uh we sat back and cheersed a couple of beers and had a, a, a great old time and really was good and he said this he said don't you just love being on your own day after day and i said not really and he said but don't you just enjoy the freedom of constantly being in the wind on a motorbike and i said not really no not not really and he said but not knowing where you're going and knowing you've got thousands of kilometers to travel but not knowing where you're going to stay don't you love that and i said not really so that was the situation really and with that he said dude if you can't get a windscreen i don't think you should carry on now he said something that i've been thinking for days so i said how about this let's go to thunder bay we'll have another couple of beers we'll spend uh, a night or two camping i'll try and pick up a windshield i'll phone ahead to winnipeg as well and see if they've got one of these windshields i'll see if i can just go to a harley dealership and drill holes in a piece of plastic and stick it on the front of my bike i don't care i'll put a fucking fish tank on there at this rate anything to get the wind off me can we do that will that be great and he said yeah so we hung out in um a campsite near Thunder Bay just down the road from when Terry Fox has his statue Terry Fox was the man of course that raised millions of dollars uh, for cancer some years ago in the 80s in Canada by attempting honourably to run across Canada and he probably would have made it but unfortunately he had to give up halfway because the end was upon him but he didn't it didn't make him uh, uh, stop raising millions of dollars and being a superhero so I felt fairly pathetic in the shadow of that statue, but nonetheless, it was very humbling to get there. And so it was, my new friends and I, Mr. Harley and Mr. BMW came together, had a couple of beers, sat about for a couple of days and enjoyed each other's company. In that time, I managed to get to Thunder Bay uh, downtown and it was, um, it was a bit fruitless really. It was nice to get some nice healthy food and to change things up a little bit in a slightly bigger town. But uh, it was no dice when it came to the windshield. And so then I phoned ahead to Winnipeg to a dealership, a BMW dealership and said, hey, in theory I should be coming through there in a couple of days and uh, I'd really like to 
get a windshield and he said yeah you can order one it'll be delivered in about three weeks or four weeks from germany and i said out out i'm done that will do me i've had enough of this bollocks let's wrap this up and call it a day also i should mention that at this point i just i just tired like the amount of brain noodle power that it, it takes to keep that bike up every day is a little bit more than i was ready for and uh, i did enjoy it. i really don't want to sound like i didn't enjoy it because i did enjoy it but if you look at a map thunder bay is the last point in ontario before i was about to cross over into manitoba so there i was about to get into manitoba and then of course from manitoba you go across the prairies the prairies are the boring flat bit like they're so so boring that the trans canada highway that goes through them they ended up deliberately putting some bends in the road just to keep people awake there's one section i think it's 102 kilometers of straight you could open it up and have a little sleep as long as the steering wheel was in the same place you could get yourself up about an hour later and you'd be fine so i was like do i really want to cross the windy prairies with tinnitus on this motorbike and carry on all the way to vancouver and then sell it or do i casually enjoy the ride back to toronto and keep the motorbike so that next time in canada i have a nice big fat sexy motorbike i can take my time going back and when i finally do get back i can relax i can park that bike chuck a cover over it and because i really want to go out west i can fly like a normal person i can actually fly well not fly but i can be a passenger in a plane and uh, that's exactly what i did so i drove back i saw uh, a couple of other places on the way back including uh, long lac uh, which is a long lake i don't know if you could work that one out and <laughs> and uh, a couple of other places um, all in all i did see loads of towns including the glamour the ritz the glitz of sault Ste. marie what a shit hole and uh lots of other little towns along the way i think i mentioned Wawa, marathon um there's so many i've actually forgotten a lot of them sorry about that um people are lovely absolutely wonderful so kind as always canadians never let you down they are the friendliest bunch there was times where uh, i broke down on the side of the road because i ran over my own shirt i didn't say i was very good at this and um at that point a woman stopped with a couple of bottles of water this was in sault Ste. marie actually and said i saw you struggling at the side of the road i just wanted to give you these because you remind me of my son and I think she politely meant he's a bit of an idiot as well. Um, but uh, yeah, she gave me a couple of bottles of water and a big bag of chips as well, bag of potato chips. And uh, I got munching on those and uh, off she went into the evening. I'm going to make a little video about some of the stuff that I saw along the way and I'll chuck it on YouTube under Albatross Jim, my YouTube moniker. And uh, But it's going to take me ages to make it, so, you know, don't hold your breath. Although COVID's happening, so I've got plenty of free time. Um, it was a great trip. I really enjoyed it. I'm really glad I cut it early. And I did end up going out west, and I ended up flying out there. And I've got a buddy there who has a very nice car who picked me up, and we drove right across the Rockies. And what an absolutely spectacular time that was. Really special. All right, mate. All right, mate. Sorry, nearly got hit by a bus. Wow. Um, they always say that, don't they? You can get hit by a bus tomorrow. Fucking nearly did. Wow. Um, so in conclusion, the bike trip, no regrets. 
lots of good times I met some great people along the way and Canadians were outstanding it is too big Canada is the second biggest country in the world no one should ride across it unless they have one of those armchairs on wheels that is a Harley Davidson with a massive windshield just to give you an idea of how stupendously massive it is the entire trip was, would have been roughly five and a half thousand kilometres from Toronto to Vancouver if I'd have done it about five and a half thousand kilometres I gave up pretty much on the border of Ontario and Manitoba so in other words I never got out of the bloody province and I did uh, in the words of Roger Hodgson I did take the long way home but um, when I eventually got home I had done 3,200 kilometres so I'd done 3,200 kilometres and I never left Ontario and for context for you Europeans if I had have got on a motorbike in London and got off the motorbike 3,200 kilometres later I would have been in Ankara pretty much just past Istanbul in Turkey and I would have driven through I don't know Bulgaria, Hungary, Germany Poland, Slav something Irania, Slovenia, Slovakia, one of them, and plenty of other countries besides. So thank you to the wonderful Canadians I met along the way, and thank you to the fantastic people of Canada in general for making the whole trip much more fun. You shouldn't do it. It's just too big. Out west, I saw the Rockies. They were stunning. I went across the Trans-Canada Highway, the one, the very road that I'd left so many provinces before. I didn't miss my motorbike, actually, because unlike Europe, there's no hairpins, there's no crazy curves. It is a majesty of engineering, the Trans-Canada Highway, because what they've managed to do is butcher their way straight through the mountains. So I'm pretty impressed with what they've done. But uh, having said that, it doesn't make for the best motorbike riding. I reckon if you go off the road a little bit, it'll be fantastic. Or if you took a side road up to Jasper or one of those places, it'd be good. Um, so I caught up with a friend of mine that I met many years ago in Vancouver. And uh, I caught up with my buddy in Kelowna and a few other people. Had a great time out west. Loved it, but I did not miss that motorbike. So that is the tour. So if you're thinking of doing a long trip on a motorbike, here's what I would ask you to consider. Do you really, really, really enjoy being on your own? If the answer is yes, then consider it. Do you really, really, really enjoy the challenge of not drinking because you really can't drink because you have to be alert all the time, uh, even in the morning, you can't afford a hangover. Do you not drink a lot and enjoy the concept or at least the practice of being on a motorbike for an extraordinarily long time? Yes. Do you quite like vapid open scenery that's not necessarily fantastically interesting i.e the prairies that i never made it to if the answer is yes to that then yes i really think you should do this trip i think that would be fantastic um, but that probably isn't most people i would imagine the best way to do it is by car with a coffee a couple of buddies and some bloody good tunes if you are going to do it on a motorbike do have a windscreen and for the love of God, get some helmet, get some um, headphones that work inside a helmet. Apparently they exist somewhere. I don't know how that works. 
I still don't quite understand how they don't point into your ears, but apparently you can get them, and they must be absolutely fantastic, because that would really change the trip. You could have a soundtrack to the open scenery and enjoy it. Right, I am going to finish this walk and talk. I hope you've enjoyed it. Margate, uh, why am I here? Well, I don't know. I guess you'll find out in the next episode. I'm pretty pissed off with the British government and their handling of COVID, and I don't think it's time to get away. So in the next episode, I will explain why I went to Margate, and indeed, I will, at the time, then be in... where I'm going to go and live for a bit, I think. So if you're interested, listen to the next episode. Big love. Ta-ta for now. This was mixed and produced in the UK by We Make Podcasts. For more information, go to wemakepodcasts.uk.